0: Welcome to Meta Talks, where we bring in experts to dive deep into all things metaverse with your hosts, Kate Hancock
1: and Daniel Robbins. So I'll give you a little background on Scalefast, why we care about the metaverse. Our business is really about bringing customers and brands together in a digital transaction. Um, what makes us different from the Shopify's of the world is really that we built our platform to serve the gaming community. Specifically, Square Enix is one our, our founding customer. Uh, we built a platform that could handle both physical and digital products in the same transaction, um, really, really high volumes, uh, which is typical for uh, game transactions, right? You want that download at the second it's available. And not every platform can handle that. So we customize a platform solution for them and went from there we now do work for wizards of the coast and magic the gathering collections which also offer a huge opportunity in this space um and we continue to serve luxury brands who've also seen opportunities uh to uh rapidly liquidate products and and you know really find new channels to distribute uh, their their products are rabid fans so That's really where we focus is is brands that have rabid fans who want product right away. That's where we uh, really find our success.
0: Dan, I'm curious, um, what do you think will, you know, retail will change in the metaverse? I mean, can you tell us more about that and why brands needs to pay attention about the future of Web 3.0?
1: Yeah, I mean, we've seen a little bit of alignment of the planets. There are uh, certainly macroeconomic factors that are uh, making people engage more online versus getting in a car, paying $6 a gallon to drive somewhere to either go to work or uh, go to the store. Um, It takes a lot of money to get product from where it's manufactured and then to that store. Uh, So when those two things align and the technology is suitable to replace a physical store experience, uh, which we're getting to, um, you now have a situation that has brought the metaverse to a tipping point. And really, when you think about the mindset of a customer, they're trying to fulfill a need. And that need usually creates some kind of chemical reaction in the brain, whether it's a new pair of shoes or a new skill on Roblox or Fortnite, you know, I mean, it's still stimulating the same chemicals in the brain. So as consumers decide where to allocate their money, um, and they have better and better experiences at home on their couch, engaging with a gaming system or their laptop or a phone, um, they're going to start to be able to get that delivery, uh, that hit, so to speak, of dopamine, uh, from other things, not just going and buying it at Macy's, but maybe buying a virtual version of it uh, in a gaming in a, in a game environment. Mm-hmm. So from a brand perspective, the opportunity to multiply the size of your catalog without multiplying the cost of goods sold uh, is really uh, unprecedented. So if I'm Gucci, instead of having 100 styles uh, in a given season, I can now have an endless number of styles available in a given season and even license uh, certain creators to collaborate without the cost of actually physically manufacturing and retrofitting your supply chain to be able to deliver it. You can test market new products without the expense of doing that. If something's popular online, you can make the bet that it's going to be popular offline. Um, so these are the types of calculations that are really game changing for the retail space and our clients. Hmm.
0: Can you tell us about the conversion rate for some of the brands that you're working? I'm kind of curious about that because I myself, I used to have a retail store in a beauty world, kind of like a Sephora. And I have to say, it's so hard to have that consumer experience convert I mean in, in a web 2.0 e-commerce where it's flat and it's kind of boring. So I'm kind of curious, what are some of the conversion rate? Because that's always been the problem when it comes to e-commerce, Dan. Yeah,
1: I mean, I've, I've been in the e-commerce business for most of its existence. So uh, dating myself there, but I used to actually sell physical things. Um, but in the digital world, the conversion rate is really in the eye of the beholder. Um, and really, the conversion rate should be in the eye of the customer. Customers come to brand sites for a variety of things. It could be to price compare, it could be to research, it could be just to get an image of the logo, it could be things that are non-transactional. And unfortunately, retail has spent the better part of its e-commerce life focusing on the two to 3% of of visits that end up in a transaction, leaving 97% of the visits to a site uh, largely ignored. Um, their, their their needs are being ignored, frankly. And the metaverse offers a unique opportunity to provide delivery of a product without it being a traditional transaction. And my guess, my bet is that that's going to lead to much larger lifetime value for customers. Because all of a sudden that visit is more engaged, almost as engaged as they would have been had they walked into your store in Rodeo Drive.
0: Wow. Dan?
2: Yeah, no, it's it's fascinating. And I think of, um, you know, 10 years ago, Kate started selling skincare on Amazon. And a lot of people were like, there's no way you can sell skincare e-commerce because they have to walk into a store and they have to talk to someone. And I almost feel like we're going backwards in the sense that, you, you'll be able to give that opportunity as if they are in a store, but it's also e-commerce. So do you see a lot of the opportunities right now that are still customers are still very hesitant because they really want to walk in somewhere and talk to someone? Do you see an emergence here where you have like those things will now be set and ready because they can almost duplicate that experience? How do you feel about you know merging those products that are still hesitant to sell e-commerce with the ability to almost have that in-store experience?
1: So first and foremost, the holy grail of e-commerce has always been to try to make it closer to the physical retail experience. That's always been the view as, okay, what can we do to get it closer? It's never going to get there, but let's try to do the best we can to get it closer. So, um, you know, I, I think that's where we're always headed. That's the guiding light. But really, it's about the customer's uh, choice. And if you look at adoption of digital sales channels or, or AR and beauty, for example, to be able to test um, products virtually, um, the acceptance rate obviously varies a great deal by demographic. Um, you know, Gen Z is more accepting of it than millennials, and millennials more accepting of, of Gen X, et cetera, down the line. And so as you see uh, customers who are more comfortable in a virtual world, uh, in both transaction and experience, uh, you know, they start to accept that delivery. Uh, At the same time, technology gets better, so brands can better serve those customers, and more importantly, personalize. So the in store associate can now have a digital relationship with customers like never before. So you're seeing this convergence of stores treating their customers well with customers transacting where they want to be at any given time. And if brands can meet customers where they want to be, they'll find success. If they insist that all of their customers walk into a store when only 20% of their customers are within an you know, 20%, probably 2% of their customers are within the geography to even walk in that store. Then again, you're ignoring 98% of your audience. But to Kate's earlier point, you know, if I can sell my product and I've got a store, a boutique on Melrose in Los Angeles, but I can sell that product to someone in the Philippines, oh my gosh, you've blown, you know, you've blown your revenue potential and your addressable market out of the water.
2: Uh uh so i have another oh go ahead go ahead then i was gonna say i know we talked um i mentioned how gucci and we had interviewed the the creators of gucci gardens do you see it as not only essentially the place to purchase but almost more importantly it gets people bought into the brand and the reason why i bring that up with gucci is when we were asking the gucci creators i thought it was interesting how gucci's in roblox roblox is people that are under the age of like 12 what do they care about gucci but it's almost like you're creating these future customers these people bought into a brand that they may not buy right now but maybe in 10 years from now they might buy so almost the metaverse is a way to market to people could possibly even be years ahead of them even purchasing
1: yeah absolutely i mean it's uh it's crass, but uh, it's drug deal, drug marketing, drug dealer marketing. <laughs> you know, it's like get them started cheap and young, and then they'll, they'll stick with you. But uh, that—that's exactly what the strategy is. And, and most luxury brands have, you know, they've emerged from the retail apocalypse, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, based on the loyalty of their most affluent customers. But they know that those customers are. are slowly you know getting older and eventually need to be replaced. That's how these brands have survived 100 years and so they need to replace them with younger market. And if that younger market is uh, in walk, was walking in brick and mortar stores and still hanging out at malls, then that would be their priority. But malls are no longer the preferred delivery device for retail uh, and you know people are finding new ways to reach customers and that is online.
0: Well, they say you know, go hang out to where your customer hang out, and definitely, you know, I joke about it. I mean, it's reality. We're all getting older. I yeah. mean, they have to groom their their up and coming customer. And I've heard from parents playing games. Mom, I want to have a Gucci belt. That's a seven hundred. I mean, four hundred dollar belt. Now those kids wanting to have a Gucci belt because they've right. seen it. But how smart it is for Gucci and that. You know, brands out there were thinking that way. That was very um, forward-thinking thinker. I yeah. Think, in their part.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But it's not new, right? I mean, they've, they've been doing something right. They've been around for a long time.
0: <laughs> hey, Deborah, if we can um, hold off because we're doing live. Yes, hold on. Dan?
2: Yeah, Deborah, don't worry. I'll go to you first um, once yeah. we get off the live because they won't be able to hear you, Deborah. And I know you're going to have a phenomenal question. So I can't wait to, uh, to hear that question. Um, you can also message me, Deborah, too, if you want. I can even ask a question for you um, if that makes sense for the live. Uh, but so tell us then around um, a lot of brands right now, it looks like they're turning to the future of retail in the metaverse. However, it looks also that they might be doing it more of a media play. For example, I just saw a well-known beverage company launch their beverage in a virtual world. And I'm not sure if anyone's even going to care about that cuz I don't I looked at it in the virtual world and I didn't see like much you can actually do with it. And I wondered, is this more is this an actual long-term strategy? or is this just a media grab in the moment? What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's, it's, I would warn against painting the entire metaverse with one single brush of the lowest common denominator campaign from a brand. So you can certainly look at, at, at Doritos and say, okay, what value does that have in the metaverse? But then you'd say, well, Red Bull, Empower, you know, giving certain skills or powers within a game has a perfect uh, delivery in the metaverse. But really, you got to look beyond games. When there is portability between metaverses uh, or, or platforms, meaning Gucci is no longer limited to selling their products in Roblox, but all of a sudden, you can have a Gucci sweatsuit in Fortnite. And and then whatever this Lego Fortnite uh, hybrid uh, is going to turn out to be, there's some Gucci variant of that. Um, You're going to start to see that value to the brands really accelerate. And our advice to any brand that we consult with is don't try to replace what you've already been doing well in the physical world, augment it. Uh, Find ways to make uh, or extend your brand value proposition digitally and where you can't do that where you know like you said there's there's some beverage but it doesn't provide any additional value on the platform i would advise against that because it doesn't come off as very authentic but there are certainly uh brands you wouldn't necessarily think provide digital value that could extend or augment their brand or the value that they deliver to their customers in a virtual space
0: then I'm kind of curious for the, the uh, brands that you're working with, where do you put their um, e-commerce? Is that is there any particular um, platform where you host their site or their e-commerce? Is it Unity or um, yes. where is that at?
1: Scale Fast is an end-to-end e-commerce oh. solution. So we provide our own proprietary platform that's Really, like I said, was it was originally designed to, to suit both physical and digital, or fidgetals is the new new catchphrase. Um, digital carts. Mm-hmm. Um, when you think about the logistics of e-commerce, you know, you put in an order, and that order goes to a warehouse, warehouse packs the package, sends it to you, right? Now, if you have the same cart with both a digital item that is getting delivered instantly and a physical item that may take two to three days, it creates some logistic problems. Um, There's now parallel paths for billing. There's parallel paths for collection or payments or fraud. There's all kinds of different um, factors associated with delivering a physical product that don't exist with a digital product. And managing those in parallel is is a challenge for most e-commerce platforms. And that's something we've cracked.
0: Mm-hmm. And um, I was able to explore, you know, the Walmart um, virtual, you know, commerce. And it's actually very cool how as you're pushing your cart, it tells you how much you're spending. So you, you cannot overspend. And I've heard from some of the, uh, cr- you know, people that's building some of this cool technology that, Whatever you shop it actually your your fridge can can tell you what what you're missing. Hey, you're out of milk in it communicates like that is so cool for the husband there that is struggling that yelled up with their wives for not buying the right items <laughs> in their grocery cart. Do you think uh, what do you think of that that future of solving a problem like that Dan? Uh,
1: yeah, I mean smart smart appliances or have been around for a couple of years. And I, I think how the metaverse takes that Intel uh, and generates a virtual shopping environment. So, you know, stop at the store and get milk and eggs could become a virtual experience where uh, the shopping cart is populated 100% by things that are missing from your list in the fridge. Because there is a sensor that knows exactly what is in your fridge at that given moment. Um, this is something that you know I think is of great value to uh, grocery store retailers and appliance makers alike. Um, that connection, the connectivity of that intelligence, is is what's new to the game. Um, instead of having the the prototypical grocery list, you have an automated cart that's maybe even ready for you, bagged up, you just pull up and they just put it in your trunk. Um, you know, these are these are all things that are right around the corner, if not already happening.
0: And Dan, what are some of the expectations for a brand to hire scale, fast? Like, is it overly expensive for, you know, for someone like your company to do all the work, to do all the back ends and create? What, what are some...
1: Telecom- yeah, I mean... We typically serve enterprise customers. They're usually doing five million and up online already. Uh, they're, they're typically global brands. Um, but the you know there are a lot of solutions for businesses who are just getting started. Um, the thing that I think Scalefast delivers is really for proven brands to expand uh, into a new market. To overserve a given segment, as I said earlier, the, the mo- your most passionate brand fans uh, with a specialized shopping experience, um, your employees. We, we've had a lot of success generating really bespoke employee stores for uh, brands like L'Oreal and, and, and Caring. Um, there's some really uh, unique things that brands can do to overserve different markets. Uh, that were previously really expensive in a traditional e-commerce platform model that we've provided in a kit, basically, a a standalone pop-up shop where we do all of the payments, all of the fulfillment, build out the site, uh, handle all the customer care, everything that you need to deliver for your customer, we deliver in one kit that doesn't have to disrupt your day-to-day e-commerce operation or distribution channels
0: you mentioned you handle uh proven brands that has a minimum revenue of five million what about to the new um you've never heard of a brand how how do you promote those like in the e- real e-commerce you have to do seo you can do all the marketing is that the same strategy or what are some of the difference i'm curious
1: well that's one of the cool things about the metaverse it's really a great democratization for creators uh, because you don't have to now hire, uh, you know, develop a prototype, send it to China, you know, go back and forth on the prototype and then pay an investment, buy that, that manufacturing time on the line, and then pay for the physical product to get here. The entry, uh, the, 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 um, the, what you need to enter the market is so much lower, lower than it has been in previously. Mm-hmm. You know, so a creator can develop a product digitally and really test market, prove that it has value, actually sell it, transact it uh, before ever investing in diamond manufacturing. And, um, you know, I think that it's never been easier for uh, somebody to just develop a, a, a WordPress site with some cool content, their creative ideas attached on a $45 a month WooCommerce e platform, except. You know, credit cards, um, all of the things you need to start a business are are readily available at almost any budget. Um, That's where you're hearing these NFTs, you know, that are getting generated by twelve-year-olds. They're becoming millionaires overnight. Um, I know those 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 stories are not going to last forever, but um, it, it it's illustrative of how easy it is for. Uh, new entrepreneurs to enter this market
0: yeah the the thing is yeah we we hear all this news but if you dig deeper into some of those projects like the the blue chips project when it comes to nft it it's the money is coming from three or four different wallets in inflating the value of mm-hmm. you know so i i think it's gonna catch up very fast as people are going to be more educated into what's real and what's hype and where is this all coming from? So I can't... And,
1: and that's a great point. And, and because there's so much uncertainty, it is, it is the wild, wild web versus wild, wild west. It's the new WWW. Um, it's, uh, it's very important that brands, legacy brands who enter this space do a great job of setting clear expectations for their customers and educating them about the value that they're providing. Um, education is going to be really important to making sure they don't burn their offline uh, legacy or their offline loyalty. And what we've found is very few people, even investors in virtual product and, and uh, NFTs, fully understand the complexity of it. And brands who want to enter this space really need to over deliver on educating their customers.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Dan?
2: Yeah, no, that's a great point. Thank you, Dan, for that. I was just thinking about that. And I'm glad you brought up how challenging it's going to be where if you sell your digital item, like if I know Nike is, you know, you buy digital shoes, you ship physical because they're using a, you know, wallet, they're not putting all their information and you know, the whole decentralization and democratization. So uh, who, who even owns that wallet address? And, you know, there's a whole thing about data. Well, if you don't have the data, then how can you even ship them something? So how do you are you building out or how do you see this where um, obviously how it is right now, it's probably very difficult. And I've heard this from a few larger brands. They had mentioned to me that's where they are trying to figure it out right now is, how can they actually even get the information to then even ship the item just based on the limited amount of data right now because everything is based on a wallet address?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's where e-commerce platforms come into play. You know, they, they need to be able to deliver a seamless customer experience, and that includes acquisition of some, some information needed to deliver that product. Um, whether it's a pair of shoes or a collectible card or or whatever. Um, So, uh, you know, there's got to be some level of centralization somewhere when you merge physical and digital product. There's no question. Uh, So Mm -hmm. that's where really advanced CDPs are going to get better at what they do and be able to sync customer data platforms um, uh, and to be able to sync the information that you know traditionally is required to deliver a physical product with wallets. Yeah, that
0: that seems to be a problem because even when we launch a little bit of project for the NFT, we have some buyer like we don't know who to send. You know who you know. What's your email? They're all in a code. Like I don't know who's my customer. So there gotta be someone has to figure that out with how do you create that balance of protecting everyone's information, but still you need to know them so you can ship the item that they purchase. Like, what is that fine line? I'm kind of curious.
1: Well, I think ultimately all of the regulation and privacy concern is not so much creating these blanket rules, but putting the choice of how much you want to disclose in your hands as a customer. Mm. So, You know, there are brands that I will disclose my information to, no problem, because I'm a passionate fan. And there are brands that I won't. Um, And those are choices that every customer makes every single day, whether they know it or not. Um, Even just clicking on an ad versus not on another ad is a choice about who you're going to disclose your or or give up some privacy to. So those transactions are happening 1,000 times a day, and they will extend to the virtual world as well. Um, you know, a click will be some level of, of permission granted to a brand.
0: Mm-hmm. Can you tell us what was the reason behind ScaleFast getting involved in, in the metaverse and how, you know, positive are you as, as we are heading there, Dan? So
1: <clears throat> ScaleFast was really built to, as I said, connect, uh, I mean, basically connect brands with their customers. Uh, through transactions uh, make it better you know salt you know, build a better mousetrap for e-commerce that's really what we did and we did it to serve a a particular customer that was more digital and physical um, so Square Enix was our customer they had you know very high demand for Final Fantasy new releases um, there were requirements to be able to smooth that ex- experience but We realized that queuing in order to uh, help ease the burden on the servers that were delivering those those games, those digital products, created a huge opportunity to provide more value to customers by giving them previews or uh, mini games um, or to offer them physical product. Um, There was a huge opportunity to over-serve fans while at the same time generating additional revenue streams. And that same application is, is what's happening today. Um, customers who are legacy uh, brands who've you know, had 100 years in the physical world, instead of adding a, a physical product to what they're already doing, they already established themselves in the physical world, they're adding a digital bolt on. And because we already proved ourselves to be able to deliver a digital Uh, e-commerce solution, we're well-positioned to help brands who want to do that going
2: forward. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I have, um, thank you. I actually have a question. This is the, the question from Deborah, just so everyone on the live can hear. It's, can you address the blurred lines between retail and entertainment and the experiences that younger customers are seeking?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think entertainment and retail have been blurred since the beginning of digital media. I mean, even if you look at the old, you know, '50s comedies, they were always sponsored by uh, brands and you know, commercials, and there was product placement involved. in the stars of the show, you know, even uh, radio, early radio, the stars of the broadcast would frequently endorse. The, the sponsors of the broadcast so they've been intertwined since the beginning of entertainment um and uh, nothing's going to change there and frankly the same things that you get out of purchasing a product the same chemicals firing in your brain are delivered when you're entertained um so uh they're, they're similar similar stimuli um it's the same reason that people are willing to you know, spend money and 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 time with a brand, uh, as they are in watching a movie. You know, I mean, it, it's it's really the same level of investment sacrifice from a customer. Hope that answered the question.
2: Perfect. Dan? Yeah, Kate. No, go ahead. I thought you were going to ask that question.
0: No, no, no. Go ahead.
2: No, no, that's it. Yeah, no, that was from Deborah. So yeah,
0: and um, Dan, where can they find you? What site? Um, you know, for the enterprise level that wanting to use your service? What
1: is it? So you can find us at scalefast.com. You can um, certainly learn more about the different services we provide and, and really just how complex enterprise e-commerce can be. Um, but like I said, I mean, for you know, budding entrepreneurs, everything that we do at an enterprise level can be started with the seedlings from, you know, existing software uh, that's readily available for for nominal amounts of money, and our hope is that you know these budding entrepreneurs become enterprise entrepreneurs and hire us down the road.
2: You yeah, gotcha. you know what? I just want to say this. You you mentioned oh, sorry, you mentioned Magic the Gathering earlier, and yes, it, it got me thinking. Which I used to be an avid player of that magic, the gathering before that was dungeons and dragons, but it got me thinking about how, I know this is a little bit separate topic, how play to earn model. I'm not sure if you're familiar with, you know, play to earn and how, you know, there's people around the world. Like, you know, we were just in the Philippines and there's people in the Philippines that are basically like playing cards and doing these really basic games, but making uh, more income than they would working an actual job, sometimes two to three times more what is your i mean this is just like more of a personal thought in term because it seems like you in the gaming before and you you know had experience with just gaming where do you see the future of is all gaming do you think going to be part of a play to earn model there's also all of these like i'm hearing you know learn to earn and yesterday i heard one it was like teach to earn so it's like everything cool. to earn and i wonder how you know there might be some emergence there too, with you know maybe that's a new form of e-commerce, or um, shop
0: to earn. Hey, or shop we're shopping, to Dan. Yeah. That that might be something. Hey, we get we get that's rewarded right. for shopping.
1: I mean, there there's been surveys to earn for a long time. I mean, there there are models or economic models to uh, have any variety of transactions digitally, and all of these are good examples. And if you know, it's like. Uh, Several several wise people have said, if you uh, love what you do, then you never work a day in your life. Um, I think that if you could find a way to survive uh, and still live a fruitful life by playing games, then there's certainly going to be an economy for it. But you're making a sacrifice. It's not just the time. You're also seeing the ads and the sponsors within those games. Because the whole model is based on sponsors paying more than the publisher is paying you Uh, and you know as long as that happens it works for everybody but if you know that the further that market gets diluted the less that sponsors are going to want to pay which means the less that publishers or aggregators of those gaming franchises are going to pay users um you know, it's, it's, the market will take care of itself, and it may not have the, the lasting power that I think isolated cases like Axie have today. Um, and I don't know that there's going to be a long-term um, market for this uh, as it proliferates um, across generations and countries and worldwide. But if it ever does. My fear is it would become very dystopian, similar to that Ready Player One model where you do have these big corporations who literally have farms of players who are, uh, are, are generating money and, and, and you know, taking a scrape off the top and, and, and it becomes abused. Um, and I, I think that's already happening in some countries where uh, people are literally having to work off debt by playing these gains, and it seems like a little bit of a nightmarish scenario, but it's it's it's, it's happening today. Um, so, you know, ultimately, I think the market is going to address it, um, but I think that uh, it, it, it's something that is something we should watch closely.
2: I have a business idea for somebody out there. You could be <laughs> a secret shopper in the metaverse. Remember back in the I day... Used we used to do that. <laughs> The mystery <laughs> the shopper,
0: shopper, the secret
2: shopper. Yeah, <laughs> you can go and so. shop all these stores. But thank you, Dan. I appreciate I know we're, we're coming up to time here. Um, we appreciate your time so much. So this was, this was excellent. Uh, you gave a great perspective on many different things, not just retail, though. You answered a lot of my questions. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of responses here that you gave a lot of value and, and people were really happy about that. So just tell everyone one more time, though, just so they can hear hey Dan prayer. I have a yeah.
0: very important question oh, too sorry. because this is a common questions to um, brands that message us. Dan, do you have some use you know use cases for brands that you work with in your site or something available?
1: Uh, yeah I mean like I said I, I think that for this particular topic the, the Wizards of the Coast, uh, Magic the Gathering example and the uh, Square Enix Final Fantasy examples are are strong illustrations of how we can blend physical and digital delivery for really intensely uh, passionate fans um, of brands. Uh, I don't I don't think there's a better example given the, the foundation that gaming has had for the metaverse. Eventually, I think it will get to every Every type of, of brand. But right now, the gaming space is really defining the rules of the road.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And do you think in the next 10 years, brick and, mor- brick and mortar store will be so relevant with the future of Web
1: 3.0? Yeah. I mean, I, I've got a mall in, in my neighborhood that it, they have three virtual reality storefronts. So the, um, The space is available because these malls have been built. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of empty storefronts. They're adding virtual reality to those storefronts because they're inexpensive. So it's not hard to imagine a world where the virtual reality headsets and uh, hardware starts to make its way into physical retail stores. And uh, they can help tell the brand story. They can entertain um, you know what if, what if you were a passionate uh, fan of uh, an artist and instead of their endorsement being limited to a commercial, you could actually go see a custom perform a, a, a unique one-off debut of their new video uh, in vir- a virtual world, but you had to walk in that store to see it. I mean, there's all kinds of, of marketing applications for, uh, bringing these these technologies into the traditional shopping uh, world mm-hmm. so ultimately it's going everything is going to get merged it's all one commerce it's all omni channel uh, it's all shopping
0: yeah that's fascinating i i think i'll i'll be seeing a future of a hologram store we're actually talking to a company in singapore where instead of you having a regular booth for a conference it's all hologram like yeah. how cool is that like, I could see retail will be, um, you know, utilizing this technology. It's going to be a fascinating world.
2: Are you, are you seeing the addition of AR with like that? And the reason why I bring that up this morning, I was reading about some pretty amazing, incredible AR use cases. But maybe instead of just... I love the VR. I haven't even thought about that with the VR. But maybe, you know, they have to use an AR on the phone but they have to physically go to a store. I haven't even considered that to be a marketing technique to actually start driving people back into stores. But I don't know if you're seeing that now, or is that what you all see as an addition? I mean,
1: absolutely. I think sky's the limit. And I think that ultimately customers decide what they want to experience. And and if the hardware to deliver an AR experience improves, which it will, I mean, nobody likes walking around with their phone all over the place, but you know, you're wearing glasses, I wear contact lenses, eventually your contact lenses will be able to deliver an AR experience, you'll be able to turn it on and the setting with your phone, so the phone receives the signal, transmits it via Bluetooth to your eyes, and you could walk into a store and see the augmented reality experience within that store um, in a very gated way, so you have to actually physically be there to do it. Um, so, yeah, I think the applications are definitely there. Um, this is no longer science fiction. It's reality.
0: Well, we're seeing it at the, the, the Batman sh- uh, TV, uh, movie. They actually utilize a, a contact to just use it. Uh, Dan, do you remember that scene? Hey,
2: yeah, I, guess. I, could, I hope that my phone doesn't freeze, though, and then I'm stuck in the AR world on my contact lens. <laughs> and then forever oh, Right, AR. yeah. Well, I mean,
1: everything, the deployment of 5G is a big piece of this puzzle, right? The more people that can have broadband internet, uh, the larger the market is going to be. So not only uh, in the Philippines, but even in rural areas of the United States, it's not readily available, but the more it is, the broader the market is going to be Um, and the more applications we'll see.
0: Well, this is really a fascinating time for... Uh, conversation and Dan, thank you so much for your expertise. Um, really, truly an honor having you here.
1: Well, thank you very much. I'm happy to come back. If you want to get a hold of me directly, you can DM me at the hashtag uh, that's on the screen here, or if you're on Clubhouse, it's at Marketing Endeavor MKTG Endeavor.
0: Definitely. We will, um, you are a go to retail metaverse expert now. So we'll send okay. people out your way. There you go.
2: I appreciate that. Thank you very much. much. Yeah, thank you, Dan.
0: Thank you for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe. And visit metatalks.com. That's Talks with a Z.